Hi, Nancy. Hey, Shane. If you could migrate somewhere for the winter, where would you go? Specifically for the winter? Because I'd probably rather migrate for the summer, to be honest. Oh, that's a good point. Somewhere here in D.C. If I, in the summer in D.C., I would like to migrate to the mountains somewhere, you know, so it would be nice and cool. What, any geographic region? I mean, like in Colorado or something like that. You know, wouldn't that be nice? I mean, winter, fine, but like summer here is so brutal. Yeah, that's actually a great point for... So I don't, I hate the summers here. I hate the warm. I really do. But I also get kind of just sad in the winter because I want snow. So You'd rather have more snow. I think I'd want more snow. Yeah. yeah. So I think maybe, oh, I have a great idea. Okay. So let's buy a place in the mountains and we'll just do like our own version of a timeshare. And so I'll take it in the winter and you can take it in the summer. That sounds perfect. And let's we'll never it. see each other. Yeah. Even perfect. better. Even, that's the best part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Science is fascinating, but don't just take my word for it. Join us as we hear stories from scientists for everyone. I'm Shane Hanlon. And I'm Nancy Boppy. And this is Third Pod from the Sun. All right, so you might have guessed we're talking about migration today, but not human migration, like what northern retirees do when it goes south for the winter. Migration and robins. Uh-huh. Like the robins that we see just like every day, I guess, in our area sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to admit, I, I had a similar reaction. Like, why should I care about robins? Uh, turns out they're fascinating and can actually tell us a lot about, among other things, how things respond to climate change. We talked with a researcher who knows all about robins and has some wild stories about working with birds in the field. Our interviewer was Ashley Hamer. My name is Emily Williams, and I'm currently a PhD student at Georgetown University studying the migration of American robins. And what what does that teach us? Like, why study the migration of robins? So knowing more generally, like, what shapes migration in birds But because robins are everywhere, they're super flexible. And what we're noticing with our work is that it seems like some populations can modify what they do year to year, depending upon the current conditions. So, for example, we just got data from this bird in Indiana that was basically in Indiana all year long. But in early January this year, it jetted down to Alabama. And if you if you're in the D.C. area, you you might remember basically the entire like eastern half of the states in early January. Up until that point, it was a pretty mild, warm winter. And then suddenly we got this like crazy winter storm that covered a lot of the eastern half of the states. And so it's probably likely that that bird responded to that and went further south. So studying robins in terms of not only their migration, but trying to figure out how do they deal with environmental change, things like climate change, will be really informative for how other birds and other animals cope with these changes. That's really cool. And you talking about what you study gave me another question. How do you catch a robin? There's a couple of techniques that you can do. The typical technique that we use is called mist netting. And it's a common technique for For smaller birds, generally, you also use mist netting to catch bats as well. 
And it's basically this really large net. It's, you know, you can, you can get different size nets, but the typical size is, is roughly 30 feet in length and stands at about 10 feet tall. How I explain it to people is that the idea is you put it up and you can barely see it. So it's super fine mesh. And ideally, you're putting it in an area that is more shaded and putting it in an area that the bird's likely to fly through and get caught. And a lot of the work that I'm doing with robins is totally entrenched within the urban system. I'm working in people's backyards. I'm working in public parks. I see random people around my field setup all the time. And last summer I had set up at a public park. And as it turns out, as I'm learning through doing urban field work, unfortunately, a lot of people don't take well to seeing birds get caught in nets. And I think this person just saw the setup, had a pretty immediate emotional visceral reaction and just started ripping apart our nets. And I had never had that happen before. And I could have handled the situation differently in that what I should have done is just taken a step back and, and immediately called the police and started filming what was happening. But because what's typical for uh, the grad student experience, you're initially worried about your equipment. That equipment costs a lot of money. And I immediately was just like, oh, my God, like these these nets cost so much money. And, you know, I don't have a lot of money for my project. Like I need to stop her. And at the cost of my own safety, which should never be the case. And so I, you know, I went up to her and just kind of put my arms up trying to stop her from ripping the nets. And and then, of course, then she started pushing into me and trying to continue to rip the nets. And ultimately, the police got involved and, you know, the, the situation got sorted and we got, you know, we received funds to cover the, the cost of the, the nets that got destroyed. But, yeah, I'd say that. That was an experience that I couldn't have anticipated, unfortunately. And we had fluorescent vests on and we have signage that says what we're doing and why and to please kind of keep distance, but in a respectful way. But I could not have anticipated that someone was going to come up and start destroying the equipment while there were birds in the net. So it was a pretty traumatic experience, but it was a really good learning experience as well in terms of you know, what I would do differently next time. And hopefully there won't be a next time. So you, you just told us a story about something scary that happened in the field. Do you have any funny or fun stories about things that happened in the field? The time that I was in Peru was just like full of so many funny experiences. And in, in particular, working alongside capuchins all the time. <laughs> so we, uh, so this experience in Peru for context, we stayed in tents for four months on a wooden platform in the middle of cloud forest. We had all of this food and equipment stored 
in the rafters of this wooden platform. So the platform itself, our tents were on, but then we had an overhang and then we stored a lot of our stuff in this overhang. And it was a constant battle with capuchins, which are incredibly smart from keeping them from getting into our stuff. And we actually had, we also had this like wooden case that we kept. We had eggs and this butter and this type of bread in there. And we actually would have to keep it locked. So not just like, you know, this wooden case had a lid. And if you close the lid, that wasn't enough to keep the capuchins out. Like they just open the lid, go in there and steal your food. And so it was one of those things that each morning, you know, we'd have our breakfast and whoever was the last one to leave the station had to remember to put everything completely away and lock the wooden case. And of course, you know where this is going, you know, on (laughs) any number of occasions, someone would forget to put something away. And a fun, fun memory is the butter was and the butter would be in this like tupperware with with also a lid and so somebody had put the butter into the wooden case but had not locked it and you know we'd gone out out into the forest all day come back and we see that it just looks like utter mayhem like the toilet paper had gotten into and so it looked like somebody had tp'd the whole station it was just literally on all the surrounding trees like all over our tents, all over the table. The butter Tupperware was completely licked clean. Wow. (laughs) You go there to study birds and you got to deal with monkeys. (laughs) What about your most proud personal achievement? When I was working in Denali, I did a school program and before I started the program, the school teacher I was working with kind of primed the students to say, oh, we're going to get this, this bird biologist from the National Park come and she's going to do a program with us. And it was going to be specifically on Canada Jays, which they're a resident bird of that area. And she told me how one student had said, oh, yeah, I use that bird for target practice. which was like my initial reaction was like oh my god (laughs) like that's illegal (laughs) and you know obviously this stuff happens even despite the fact that it's illegal but you know that same kid after that program you know I actually heard from the parents of that kid later down the road you know we never knew anything about Canada Jays and it's so cool that they're in our backyard and so-and-so, you know, their son has been telling us all this stuff and how like we need to put our feeders out and we need to do this, that, and the other because climate change is really impacting them. And so it's stories like that, that I get a lot of satisfaction and fulfillment out of in terms of what I find as, uh, you know, my personal achievements. Someone's mind? 
something about science or conservation or something? Um, well, so I studied how pesticides were mostly bad for frogs and turtles for my PhD. And I think that my parents now use them less because of it. But on the flip side of that, I also studied snakes and my mom is still deathly afraid. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Regardless, I want to thank Emily for taking time to chat with us. Yes, and special thanks to Ashley Hamer for conducting the interview, NASA for sponsoring this series, and to Karen Romano-Young for her illustration of Emily. This episode was produced by me with audio engineering from Colin Warren. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please rate and review this podcast, and you can always find new episodes on your favorite podcasting app or at thirdpodfromthesun.com. Thanks all, and we'll see you next week. Cool. Ow. <laughs> Bumpy signing off. Ow. <laughs>